0: Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
2: All right, here we are. It's Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Pills Live is the show. And I am promising you today our show is not going to be hijacked by yet another retirement of Tom Brady. We will mention it. We will reflect on it momentarily. And then we are moving on. I'm not giving time to this guy. I'm sorry. Color me jaded. Whatever you want to do. My favorite line from the coverage so far was a line oh, on that gosh. show, First Take on ESPN. I believe it was Molly Caram who said it, and she said, "You got to respect Tom Brady, a guy who never cheated the game."
3: <laughs> Brownie
2: lost it when she said that. Are you kidding that. me? Did you actually put that sentence together beforehand,
3: or did you just say it off the cuff? I actually... Never cheated the game. <laughs> Okay. I thought Brown. Okay. Oh, uh, I thought Brown was going to put his laptop through the com- through the TV. I almost had three veins pop out of my oh skull. Oh my gosh. Never uh, cheated the
2: game. Get awesome. the heck out of here with that. Get the heck out of here. Good. So he's got to hide behind a sand dune and retire a second time. Very nice. I said nice. this, here's my take Best on it. Best of luck to you, buddy. The,
3: the Patriots and their and the all the Super Bowls they went to and won. Um it's amazing that they. It, you would think in a perfect world, a team and a franchise who was able to do that, even with one quarterback who's who's very good, who's awesome, that would they would just get way more attention and respect than they do from the people um, inside the game. Um, I don't see that happening. In fact, the people I talk to, they're all like, they yeah, you know, they're kind of like shrug their shoulders, say, yeah, it's, uh, there's none of this in, in in back rooms where people whisper in all, like, wow, those guys are really good. They really got to go. There's none of that because there is such a specter of secretive and being caught cheating on so many different avenues of the game. They just don't get the respect a team who has won that much would get. Uh, plus, they do a lot of things with their hiring and the way they run their program that just screams that they have secrets to keep. Mm-hmm. So they're – and and I think some of that goes over in Tom Brady's career. So people are just kind of – he doesn't get that kind of level of respect because of the specter of all the stuff they've been caught doing outside the rules. So while Brady is – just playing the game like he did for as long as he get to the age of 45 is a remarkable achievement, no question about it. But with the franchise and the teams that he was a part of and, and the specter that is always there with them, He'll never get as much respect – as much as he gets, um, he's not going to get what you would think a guy of that – he's far and away. His numbers and his accomplishments are, are just dwarf everybody's. But because of the specter of cheating that is associated with him, he'd never get the amount of respect yeah. you would think a guy like he would. That's that's where I'm at right now.
2: Right. And I think more of that cheating history falls on Belichick than it does on Brady. Sure. But Brady was suspended. Well, he was a beneficiary of it. Yeah. He was a beneficiary of it, and he took part in at least one of them that we know, namely Deflategate. So, fine. Your career's over. Thank God. I know we're going to have to unfortunately see on Fox as an analyst, but whatever, dude. Yeah. Whatever. Well, there
3: you go. Um,
2: Belichick, by the way, hasn't won a playoff. He's got one playoff victory without Tom Brady on his roster in his career. Fantastic. Uh, that's enough of that. I'm going to get to more encouraging topics. Uh, DeMar Hamlin has teamed up with the American Heart Association to encourage people to learn how to perform CPR. Obviously, that was a critical technique that saved his life on the field in Cincinnati just about a month ago. So he's teamed up with the American Heart Association, and he has a three-point plan kind of in – tying in with his jersey number three and basically it goes like this step one is learn cpr step two is donate to the heart american heart association and step three is to challenge three other people to do the same uh steve and i have been challenged by a bills fan online so i'm ready to uh get myself familiarized with the techniques of cpr um I learned some of the steps back in the day, back in like junior high school, where we had to do it as part of health class. We weren't certified in it, per se, but we had to learn it, just the basics. Um, it's probably long overdue. Probably should learn that. Um, I know my. you said your wife knew how to do it. My wife learned how to do it being a former lifeguard. She was certified for a long time, too. So, yeah, I should probably get on the ball with that one. So I accept the challenge,
3: I guess I should say. Yeah, well. well, yeah, it's it's a great idea. Great. Yeah, it's it's a good idea to do, not just be, and we've all been reminded of it by what happened in Cincinnati on that well, Monday yeah. night and uh it's great. So, um yeah, I'll be making a donation as well to uh to that. So it's it's a good nice nice challenge. Now now we have to challenge three other people.
2: Yes. So we'll have to do that in due course. Right. I think I got to I think I got to do my part first and then I'll worry about it. Challenging three other people, but (laughs) good for DeMar, you know, turning what could have been a horrible negative into another positive. And that's just kind of the guy he is. So not surprised, but glad he was able to channel that in a positive way and help the American Heart Association in the process. We have some coaching carousel news that pertains to the Bills. According to reports, Bills receivers coach Chad Hall will be interviewing with the Baltimore Ravens. For their vacant offensive coordinator position, I was scouring the wires to try to find if there have been other candidates interviewed, and I could not find any names. Now, some of their in-house candidates uh, include their quarterbacks, Coach, so it's presumed that they'll probably interview a couple of guys internally. But as far as other external candidates, I have not seen any besides Chad Hall, so we'll have to see where that goes. Perhaps the process is just beginning, No, it's knowing it's been just about a week since they mutually parted ways with offensive coordinator Greg Roman.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: But there is a tie there because I believe Chad Hall was playing receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles when John Harbaugh was there as special teams coach. So there is some familiarity. Right. Um, So I guess that makes sense to some degree. Chad Hall has never been a coordinator, so that would be a major promotion for him. Uh, if in fact the Ravens hired him. So we'll have to see how that plays out on that front. Interesting to say the least, though. Uh, yeah,
3: and it's interesting, too, because they're gonna, going to after a wide receiver coach, somebody who's been around Brian Dayball and all those guys who who has enough of a hand in a creative passing attack to go over and start coaching up Lamar Jackson, who, you know, up to this point, they've been a run first offense. And it does, I think, tip. The scale, as to what the Ravens are trying to demonstrates a shift in philosophy. Exactly, for sure. That's, I think, the most telling part of this interview. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes. And it could be, and we may be out. It could be the fact that John Harbaugh knows and likes Chad Hall and has given him this, so that other teams will say, "Oh, they're they're looking at Chad Hall." Let's and then give him a chance to get more interviews because the Ravens took him seriously. some coaches are, have been known to do that for guys, but i don't I don't know yeah, it's about time though Chad hall's been a really good assistant coach here for a for an offense that's been really prolific, so yeah. it does make sense. We are going around the n f l which is
2: presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills, and the head coaching openings filled up fast yesterday. We saw Frank Reich get formally introduced as the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And then after we were off the air late afternoon yesterday, D'Amico Ryans, named as new head coach of the Houston Texans, where he played a good portion of his playing career as a linebacker, he seemed overjoyed to be getting that job. He called it a dream job. They have a lot of work to do, but they do have a lot of draft capital. So if Nick Casario, their GM, can kind of hit on some draft choices, including quarterback, D'Amico Ryans could very well turn that thing around sooner rather than later. He's not playing in a super-strong division. I think we could all agree that the Titans are on the decline, and the Colts have no quarterback themselves. So really it's the Jaguars. Yeah, so it's really just the Jaguars at this point in time that are the main obstacle to dramatically improving your status in the AFC South. So D'Amico Ryans goes there, 37-year-old head coach and then moments after that sean payton was named head coach of the denver broncos as the broncos decided to cough up a first round pick i think a second round pick and maybe another yeah uh to get the contractual rights to sean payton who still had contractual rights
3: rights tied to the saints in the coaching profession it, um i've got I, I went down and found this um uh, This is what the Broncos gave up, and I'll I'll tell you what they gave up, and here's what they got in return. What they gave up was three first-round picks, three second-round picks, a fifth-round pick this last year, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. Oh, you're
2: talking about the combination of
3: traits. What they got was Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, and then last year's fourth-round pick, and in two years they'll get a third-round pick. So they traded all those those three players and seven draft picks for Sean Payton, Russell Wilson and two other draft picks. Um got to take a page out of the Rams book there. That's right. But they got Russ. think about it though. They got Russ Wilson and Sean Payton for those for those pl- draft picks and players and it's it's, you know, three firsts and three seconds. Um it's big. Plus the other stuff I don't know. It could be worth it. I mean, you really think if these guys come out, if if Sean Payton gets out of Russ Wilson, what Pete Carroll got out of Russ Wilson. It's brilliant. So
2: right now there are five NFL clubs that no longer have first round picks this year. They are the Broncos, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Rams, and the 49ers. So, Broncos, for obvious reasons, with the Sean Payton acquisition. The Browns still paying the price for Deshaun Watson. The Dolphins for the Bradley Chubb trade. The Rams, because they're the Rams. And the 49ers, who acquired Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers fire trade. So uh, those are the teams without a first-round draft choice. Um, it's, Interesting. You always wonder how these are going to pan out because the Dolphins acquired Bradley Chubb, who didn't really help him this year at all. Maybe with a new defensive coordinator, it, they he will. But he was disappointing down the stretch for Miami, which finished 24th in the league in sacks, by the way. Right. Um, the 49ers did get a boost from Christian McCaffrey, got to the NFC title game, but injuries killed them. Yeah, but that wasn't. Yeah, but the trade didn't kill them. The trade didn't kill the them. The injuries killed them to the quarterbacks. And um, then the Browns. You wonder if they're already lamenting the fact that they still have two more first-round picks to hand over to the Texans for the rights to acquire Deshaun Watson, who also, by the way, has a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And that's, one thing, that, that's
3: one thing That's one thing as well. Um, the, I, I told you all the things that Denver got back. They got Sean Payton and Russ Wilson back, but they also got Russ Wilson for $165, $165 million in guaranteed money. Uh, 124 million's already been given to him, <laughs> so it was all that stuff plus that money, and plus whatever they're paying Sean Payton, uh, along with the that's going to be a hefty sum. Too. Sure, it's probably what 15 million a year or something at least. That's what he they said. That's what the ballpark was. Wow. Um, but if they can win, if they bounce back and build the roster and win, I'll say then, you know, hey, it's all worth it. Think about this, though, with Sean Payton. He left New Orleans after winning a, a, a Super Bowl and then getting to the... Remember, this was the Nicole Roby Coleman pass interference that got the Rams into the Super Bowl. That, they, that was at the expense of the Saints. So Sean Payton put together a really good football team, and they were at the top of the heap in the NFC for year after year after year after year. But now... In this last, starting with this last year, his first year gone, they were seventy-five million dollars over the cap yep. in February. Seventy-five million. They were like almost forty. They were forty percent over the cap. So astounding. I don't know that his philosophy of building a, a roster is long-term possible. Right. Um, it's not sustainable, obviously because now they're there's still 40 whatever million over the cap just this year. I don't think they
2: care. They just move the money around every year and make it work. I mean, they were 110 12 million over the cap last year. And somehow, yeah. you know. It's like a it's like an 11th hour fire sale every time they get right. to the end of the league year. It's crazy. And they do it every I I don't know how you live like that. I really don't. Forget about playing football every Sunday. How do you live like that with the books? It's just That is enormous, enormous stress. Now, here's some interesting stuff about the draft, Steve. Four teams have multiple picks in the first round. The Eagles have their own pick and the Saints pick. So they're going to pick 10th, the Eagles. They're going to pick 10th and at the bottom of the round. The Lions have their own pick and the Rams pick from the Stafford trade.
3: Which is pretty high this year. Yeah. Considering the they're Rams. picking
2: sixth from the Rams sixth top 10 pick Seahawks have their own pick and the Broncos pick from the Russell Wilson trade. The Texans have their own pick and the Browns pick from the Watson trade. So the Texans are picking second and 12th. Then you have this, the lions and the Seahawks each have four picks in the first two rounds. They have two ones and two twos, you hit on those, man. You're in, you're in
3: business. Well, it certainly gives you a boost at the right spots. The Eagles I, have three in the first two me, rounds. So do the Panthers, Steelers, and Texans. When you're, uh, yeah, the second and the twelfth pick. I wonder if do you a could, lot of damage. Yeah, I wonder if you could trade a, those two for like. A one and three twos or four twos. You know what I mean? Why would you want to do that? Well, because then, you need a quarterback. Houston's going to stay there too. Yeah, yeah, but at, at the other teams like Detroit as well. Detroit could do the same thing. But you could get my point is this: you could completely, completely rebuild an, a complete offensive line
2: you could oh, get okay. you could
3: completely rebuild an offensive line. You could, you know, you could absolutely become dominant at a place where even if if you had a good secondary, you could take, you know, another top flight corner and, you know, even make it stronger. That kind of thing. I, I, you could really transform your roster because you could build a component of either offense or defense. In my in my case I'm talking offense. You could build a an offensive line that's dominant overnight. Yeah. And it would be dirt cheap. Uh, get three, you could, you know, because we've all talked about it, and it's becoming more, and people are screaming it on social. All these analysts are talking about it. I read this thing today. Here's how you do it. Here's the, here's the trends in the National Football League that are happening. It's all about the big dudes. It's up front, offensive line, defensive line. And in a league that's an offensive league, like we all harp about that it is, It's the offensive line, Burrowsleaf. Get those guys. Everybody's scrambling. We talked about it. We can't even expand the National Football League because they don't have enough offensive linemen that can play. Get those guys. And
2: stock up on them. Well, I was saying it tongue-in-cheek the other day. My first three picks for the Bills are O-line, O-line, and O-line. Yeah. I mean, we've got this. I know that's not necessarily realistic. I mean, we'll get but. to
3: it, but that's what our Twitter question was today. And that, you know, and our, you know, the fans are talking to us about that as well. I mean, that I'm with them. If you got, if you... Uh, it's not sexy, but it's necessary. Think about this. Five years ago, or however long it was, Dak Prescott comes in the league same year as Zeke Elliott. Those two jokers, those two rookies go 12 and four because they've got and absolutely dominant. Yeah, they had four offense. Pro Bowl players they on their offense. They had four, Pro Bowl players on their offense, and they were all as big as a, a, as big as a Volkswagen bus. All four of them, they were huge, and they could run. They were at them, and they, you know, Dak Prescott as a rookie went further than Dak Prescott as a fifth-year player because of those guys. That's it, man. That's. That's the key to life in the NFL for me. Mm-hmm. Those guys got to be outstanding, and you got to have, like, nine of them.
2: Yeah, but you, you can't have nine veteran ones. You can't afford them. That, yeah, and that's what happened with Dallas. Because the good ones are, like, $20 million a pop. Right, and their line kind of disintegrated because they couldn't pay everybody. So you got to keep on drafting them. Yeah, you got you Lyle Collins
3: cheap. playing in Cincinnati.
2: Yeah, though. you need cheap labor. Um. And that comes in the draft. So yeah, you should be should be drafting linemen every year on both sides of the ball. I agree. Just from a numbers perspective I, alone. There, I mean you gotta put five guys out there every week. And I know pass rush dress rushers. eight.
3: I mean the Bills have been going with the pass rushers, you know, all the way you know, A. J. Epinesa, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, Ed Oliver. I mean, they drafted the Brown
2: and, you know, Tommy Doyle, but that was in the middle rounds.
3: Yeah, and they Cody Ford a few
2: years back in the second round. Wyatt Teller, who is, Wyatt Teller who's was become like, you know, a,
3: kind of a you know, proverb right. here in Buffalo. You don't know what you got until it's gone. That kind of thing. And then you know, this team was set back dramatically when Eric Wood and Richie Incognito both left from one year to the next unexpectedly. Right. We didn't expect we didn't at the end of the year you didn't expect to lose either one of those guys and he lost both of well, them. Definitely
2: and, not both. Wood was gonna be here because he had signed an extension.
3: Right. And when he when he Eric couldn't play and then Richie Incognito couldn't go, and that's it. They just that was like guys taken right off the top. And you know, you never recovered from that. They never recovered from that. That next year, which was Josh's rookie year, when he was forced to play, it was it could have been so much better. With those two guys, so uh-huh. I, I'm, I am all about it. I we, we I don't know how we got down this rabbit hole of talking about offensive linemen and how important they are, but that's that's where I see it. That's where I see it, and all these guys, you know, the, you see these. Oh, I, I don't know how we do because all we're talking about these draft picks of these teams and where we, they would go. You see all the analysts and all the stuff coming out of Birmingham or wherever it is. Not the Senior Bowl. All they do is show highlights of offensive linemen one on one, game film, practice film. All you see are the big guys. Nobody see. I don't see any great catches. I don't see quarterbacks throwing it. All I see is the big dudes. It's become the mantra, I think, in the league. Yeah, and
2: it's gonna, it's gonna keep. I think it's gonna
3: stay that way for a while. I don't. I don't see it changing. No, and I. The way the league is set up, too, it's hard to stockpile those guys. They tend to be spread pretty evenly. These guys have got good tackles, but their interior linemen are bad. And those guys have got a really good center and a good right tackle and right guard, but their left side's really weak. You know, it's all mixed up. And, 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 you know, teams make do. That's what a lot of teams do. They're stuck doing that. I remember two years ago, I think it was, when Bills really got good, they had like 13 guys. In training camp on the offensive line, it was like, I don't know who's going to play. These guys are really good. Yeah. and Certainly, they, that's the year they kind of took a big, big step forward in 2020.
2: There is a little bit of news in the AFC East. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is reporting that Dolphins quarterback Tua tonga has cleared the NFL's concussion protocol. He met with several medical professionals through the course of the process. And according to Rappaport's report, they are confident he'll be 100% when the time comes for football. So good to hear he's out of the protocol. It took him approximately what are you going on going on about eight weeks
3: now, maybe
2: nine. It was
3: the week before. It was week 18 of the regular season, right? No, it was before. No, it was, that. was before, it was before that. that. Yeah, I'll tell you when it was. I can't remember when it was, but
1: call from mom. Answer it
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: I want to say we're going on about two months here.
3: I know exactly when it was. It was the time when they played, uh, was it the, was it the, Rams? Wouldn't what, Who? What? What's, yeah, we'll
2: have to look it up during I the break because I can't remember off the top of my head. But
3: it wasn't the? It was the Jets. It was week. It was week eighteen or was it the uh, Jets? I, I want to say it was Packers. before that. So it was after the Bills game. I think it might have been the Packers game. I think it was the Packers game. It was the Packers game. So is one, two, three, four? It's been four weeks, five weeks, a month. Okay, that's it. I thought it was longer than that. All right. Well, either way,
2: it's good that he's out it's going to be very interesting what the future holds. Cause when you have several of them in close proximity, that's when you really run the risk of a career being over. That's what happened to Kevin Cobb who never played a regular season game for the bills because he got another concussion in a preseason game while he was with the bills and then was out for that year and never played football again. He had approximately seven in three seasons and Tua's had three in one season. So they're gonna to have to really, really watch that between, you know, what happened this past season and what's gonna happen from here on out. Um, you hope the recovery time here in the offseason is enough for him to kind of continue his career as normal, but I I'm really wondering if he's gonna have a different kind of helmet, you know, that he's wearing next year, et cetera, et cetera, because yeah he does run the risk of seeing his career cut short if he has one or two even next year. You know what I mean? Like,
3: Oh, yeah. He's he has a, one
2: or two next year, five and two in a calendar year? Yeah. That's bad.
3: It's really bad. It's really bad. Now, they, I have said, I don't know if this has changed, I think I might have said this before I'm talking to somebody about it, that they the adage always was when I was playing that if you allow yourself to be completely healed from a concussion – you're no more susceptible to getting another one than you would have been otherwise, without the first concussion. But the less hundred percent you are and getting and receive another concussion, um, it takes less force to give you the second concussion, and subsequently, if you don't heal from the second concussion, it takes less to give you the third and less to give you the fourth. So that it's it, it's imperative that you completely get away from that concussion and get 100% healed before you go back and, and risk another one because then it does get – then it does get bad. Uh, but that's what we were always told as players, that if you do get 100% out of the other concussion, you're no more susceptible to a new one. I don't know if medical uh, medical information has told us differently at this point.
2: Yeah. So good, best of luck to him. But, man, it's I'm going to cringe. He, I don't even root for that guy. And I'm going to cringe every time he takes a hit. I really am just because of his concussion history. Yeah. So hope the best for him. But, man, it's going to be tough playing that position, primarily because he's not good at avoiding the big hits. He's really not. Well, and he's not big. And, you know, he's somewhat mobile, but he's not really exceptionally mobile.
3: Brownie. You say he's not good at avoiding the big hits. Those concussions weren't – none of them were big No, hits. they – well, no. They, they weren't. His, he fell on the that's ground. That's what's even scarier. Head. He banged his head on the ground. And, you know, Dolphin fans, as as every fan base would do, I mean, Dolphin fans, when – you know, Matt Milano's the guy that kind of pushed to – he threw the ball and Matt pushed him down.
2: Yeah.
3: And he got the concussion from that. He got up staggering. And that's when the, the finger quote back injury happened before the next one, yeah. when, he, when he really went down. You know – that was not a bad hit.
2: And then the other one was the whip down. He got whipped down onto the ground by his on jersey. Thursday,
3: yeah, and that was on the Thursday game that followed the Sunday where he had the back injury, which was a concussion, as we all yeah. believe. And then it was it was turned into a, yeah. a bad season.
2: So to wrap up around the NFL, there are only two remaining head coaching openings left, that being the Cardinals and the Colts. And we'll see how quickly those are filled now that the Dominoes have begun to fall. Topic of discussion today, what are your top two roster priorities for the Bills this offseason? Whether it's offense, defense, special teams, where do you place the roster priorities? Your top two for this team for this offseason, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We have some open lines for you there. Coming up in the second hour of the show, we will have salary cap guru mike janiti joining us from spotrack.com really an all-in-one site for keeping an eye on the cap how things could work for your team He even has some interactive tools you can use if you want to run through restructuring this guy or that guy for your team you can do all of that uh on his site some really good stuff on there so it'll be good to catch up with mike in the second hour of the show as we talk offseason priorities with him as well. But we want to talk with you first at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. What are your top two roster priorities with the Bills roster this offseason? We take a break here, but we're back with your phone calls and your tweets next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio all right welcome back to one bills live chris brown steve tasker with you what are your top two roster priorities for the bills this off season you can let us know at 803 550 1888 550 we go to the phones now and we lead off with al in west seneca what do you what do you got for us al you're on one bills live
1: thank you brownie and uh steve for uh the show and i watch almost every day um I was think I was asking maybe about the uh, free agency for the offensive line or maybe draft picks. I would like to hear uh, your uh, comment on that. Also, uh, Mr. Brownie, have you ever heard of Brown, uh, Dollar Tree? You can get your um, shaving supplies and that right there. All right, <laughs> thank you. All right, appreciate All
2: right. that. Uh, Th- thanks, Al. Appreciate the tip. Um I was joking yesterday that all of those stores are the dollar twenty-five stores now because of inflation. That's but right. Apparently you can get ra- shaving supplies there pretty well. I just – I don't but know. I if, didn't know. Yeah. So I'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah, offensive line, we are on board completely. Um, I just know with the – and we'll talk to Mike Janitti about this more in the second hour of the show, but with the cost-prohibitive nature of Buffalo's current cap situation and knowing they're going to have to jump through some hoops to get under – let alone create the space necessary to maybe sign some free agents. I don't know if they're going to have to have the wherewithal financially to go after some of the top people on the free agent market at the offensive line positions. Orlando Brown, for example, the left tackle for the Chiefs, is going to be a free agent. He's also going to make over $20 million a year. The Bills are not going to be competing in that financial bracket for that kind of talent, I wouldn't think, based on their cap situation. So. They're going to have to be a little bit more creative on the free agent market, and then I think they are going to have to invest draft capital in their offensive line primarily. And then if they can fill in some spots with some low-priced free agents, that's how they'll do it. Much like they did last year,
3: they'll do it again this year. And I think they will draft some offensive linemen, um, you know, up up with their couple of first couple of picks. Um, maybe, maybe both. Maybe like they did the defensive end spot, you know, yeah. where they did Boogie Basham and and uh, Greg Rousseau the same year. That um, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But I am totally with Al and West Seneca. Al, yeah, they're. I think free agency is is going to be uh, where they sign some veteran free agents like they did last year. Um, they're going to draft some of these guys, some new guys. Uh, I, yeah, I, I just. I agree with you. I think that's where they begin. Now, they're going to attack it on all fronts. They're going to sign a veteran-wide receiver. They're going to sign with some traits. They're going to sign these offensive linemen. They'll probably sign some defensive linemen, and a defensive tackle probably, um, all of that stuff. Um, but they will attack the roster on all fronts like they always do, and the players they bring in are going to compete. That's the way it is. But I swear I be, I'm with you. That's where I begin you got to bring in protection and weapons for Josh. Job one.
2: Let's go back to the phones, and we go to Scott in Tonawanda next. What do you got for us, Scott? You're on One Bills Live.
1: Oh, thank you. I think the first uh, position that I would try to address is the defensive line. I mean, we were exposed quite a bit during the season with run games and not being able to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I don't know where they get those players, but the defensive line looks a little weak. And the second position, and you guys will probably laugh at me, is I still say we need a good running game, uh, some running game that the other coaches can kind of fear a little bit. I don't think that our running game right now puts the fear in anybody. So thanks for taking my call,
3: guys. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And Scott, you're. Right. I get it. I'll say this: the Bills do have a different kind of running game than most teams because Josh is a part of it, and most people cringe at that thought. But the last three or four game, last month of the season, Josh hardly ran at all, uh, and the running game was still a factor. Um, you know. Brownie brought it up, the James Cook averaged 5.7 a carry this year. The problem yeah. is he only had 89 carries. Uh, he may be the lead dog next year, uh, the way it looks right now. So that may change. Uh, I'm, I am not in the camp fully of people that say our run game needs to be better. I think most people would say instead of better, they'd probably say it needs to be different. They run for enough yards the way it is now, but you just wish Josh's yards were given to James Cook and Devin Singletary instead of Josh, right? I mean, then you'd have two guys that rush for almost, if not 1,000 yards, and then you'd be, it'd be better. The problem is, that you know, it's, it's always going to be Josh is going to be a factor in that. That's why Josh is Josh, and you're not going to take that out of your game plan completely. Uh, certainly you're going to use it in situations and situations alone where it works, like in the you know where he scrambles for yardage or what does that power sweep or whatever you want to call it in short yardage and goal line, but I'm I'm not a fan of revamping the run game or making it more prominent. But I'm I could get on board with maybe having it look a little different uh, and having other guys carry the ball instead of Josh, if they can do it and gain yards. I'm not going to hand it off on. I mean they do it a lot hand it off on second and ten for, four, for two yards. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sign up for that. But if, you can, if they can get it done, sure. Sure. But they don't have to change too much about this offense um, in the running game because it's still, like we were talk, we've we talked about, it's the number one in this division in, foot, in the AFC East. The Bills running game is the best one in the division. Now, you can say you don't like the way it looks because of Josh – but the simple fact of the matter is they have to def- the other everybody else has to defend it and it's it's a really good run game. If you want it to look different I can get on board with that, but I'm not going to sacrifice anything to get that done. I want to keep it as good as it is now.
2: Yeah, and you know <laughs> defensive line, I I understand why you thought it was a little leaky especially after the last game of the season, but that was without Daquan Jones who was their best interior defender, in my estimation, all season long. He didn't play in the last game due to a calf injury. Jordan Phillips was playing with one arm with a rotator cuff injury and a shoulder that's going to need surgery. Those are the two best defensive tackles they've got. Those are your two best run stuffers. And one is still under contract, Jones. Phillips is a free agent, but I think they could get him back on an affordable deal for a one-year contract. And I think he would want to come back, quite frankly, especially how this past season ended for him. So you get those two guys back, that's a good start. I think you're going to have to make a decision on Ed Oliver. He is under contract, but at $10.7 million, and knowing the cost constraints of the team right now, what do you do with him? Do you extend him? Do you trade him? What are the thoughts there? I think they're going to have to really take a long, hard look at the cost-benefit analysis of Ed Oliver, the player, and decide what they want to do long-term because either way, I think you have to get some cap relief from his salary figure, whether you extend him and reduce his cap figure this year to help yourself now you know, and sign him to an extension, or you trade him to get him off your books and get some draft capital in return to acquire more cheap labor, uh, those are decisions that they're going to have to weigh out, not just with Ed Oliver, probably with some other players on the roster, too, going forward. So. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I understand the pass rush wasn't up to snuff, and it changed dramatically once von Miller was injured on Thanksgiving. They went from averaging 2.7 sacks a game with von Miller to averaging two sacks a game without him. That's almost a sack less per game. Not to mention, you, know, we probably I haven't diced up you know quarterback hits and how many of those dropped off, right. affecting the quarterback, et cetera. But it was a problem. Now von Miller will be back next year, hopefully right from the start of the season. Um, but with the, again, with the cap constraints that this team's going to be under, I think they're going to have to leave the defensive side of the ball alone and hope for the best and really invest on the offensive side because they've lost ground to the talent that some of these other teams are putting out there on the field, namely the Bengals and the Chiefs primarily. Let's get back to the phones and we go to Josh in arcade next. What do you got for us? Josh, you're on one bills live.
5: Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm on board with a lot of uh a lot of other people are saying. I think the offensive line is probably the, the top priority. Um and looking ahead to the draft, there's two guys that are on the top of my list in uh Osiris Torrance and uh Roderick jo- uh I can't I remember his name. I think it's Jones out of Georgia.
2: Georgia, yeah, the left and, tackle. Uh, What's his name? I right. think it's Roderick Jones. Uh,
5: Roderick Jones, sorry, um, but um, yeah, Torrance is touted as a top interior offensive line lineman, and um, Roderick, yeah, no, playing in the SEC, being a good run blocker, being a good pass protector—that's essentially kind of fits the bill of what we need. And Roderick Jones is uh, versatile, even though he's listed as a tackle, can move into uh, into guard. And for my second position, I would say. I'm torn between receiver and safety because I agree that we need more weapons for Josh. Um just what we have probably doesn't uh live up to the expectation. And safety, no, I'm assuming Jordan Poyer may not come back or we may not um we may not be able to bring him back and I know Christian Benford has been uh rumored to move to safety, but Right. Uh, I think there might be might be a little need for a, a safety valve, uh, so to speak, if uh, if they need it. So, thanks a lot, guys. I enjoy your show. Take my call.
3: Yeah,
2: thanks, thanks,
5: Josh. Good call.
3: Yeah, uh, it's all that stuff in there, and you can pick those offensive linemen off Georgia, and and you know, and like Broderick Jones, and who I I'm pretty sure you and I were talking about. Isn't he like nine feet tall and <laughs> Who are we talking about? Is Broderick well, Jones? No, left tackle. What is he? No,
2: you're thinking of the Ohio State kid, who's six eight, three seventy five. There you go. Not um, that Broderick Jones is a shrimp, but um, Broderick idiot. Jones played left tackle for Georgia.
3: Good player, um, sure. Uh, but here's the thing that I don't. Uh, the really, really great ones, like the plug and play kids that come out of, I say, kids, the guys that come out of college that you can plug into a spot like left tackle in the National Football League and forget about him for 15 years. You got to be you can't pick 27th in the first round and do that.
2: Right. Broderick Jones though is pro- projected to be a bottom half of the first round player. So there's a chance that he could be in the vicinity of the Bills. And remember, we've got a lot of quarterback-needy teams up at the top of the draft, so anytime somebody's taking a quarterback, that's pushing all the other position groups down to the Bills, yeah. and you got to rely on that. 27 is a low place to be, but... But there's
3: not that many wide receivers this year either that are considered right. top flight. There so are that's a lot of to, tight ends. That moves everybody up the... This- up the scale, yeah. so I, yeah. It if he's there, at 20, if one of these guys is there at twenty-seven, absolutely, I'm all about it. It is great because if you get a guy, an offensive lineman, that high, I would think that that is the one spot where a player in this culture, and we talk about it all the time, how these rookies they don't get plugged in in the in Buffalo. They got to earn every rep and then earn their spot. And then keep their spot, and then if they want to move up like from a guard to a tower or whatever, they gotta earn that too. And somebody else has got to unearn it. But as an offensive lineman, they get on the field faster because there's five spots they can move to. And young offensive linemen in this team seem to get on the field long faster than young wide receivers, young running backs all of that stuff get on and corners and all that stuff that they get on the field faster um yeah especially a kid picked at 27 as an offensive lineman i could see that guy getting plugged in pretty quick
2: yeah and broderick jones from georgia he's played some right tackle and then left tackle this past year so there is some versatility there as well and he's not alone there's a lot of other linemen in this draft uh, that hopefully the bills will have an opportunity to pick from we take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we return. So if you're holding at 803-0550, we'll get to you when we come back here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker asking you to give us your top two priorities for the Bills roster this offseason. We go back to the phones and to Cynthia in Amherst. What do you got for us, Cynthia?
1: Yes, I wanted to find out is there still such a position as a fullback? And I just recently looked at the Frank O'Hara story. I mean, are there any kids like him coming out of college? I think that would be a big help, and it would help Josh. Fourth and one, give it to somebody, you know, a big fullback.
3: I hear you, you, you Cynthia. In fact, one of the most intriguing guys in the National Football League to me is the and now I'm going to blank on his name, is the fullback for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a 305-pound defensive lineman who plays fullback for them. Use, Alan Ricard. Ricard. Alan Ricard. He used to play defensive okay. line. They transferred him and moved him from that side of the ball over to the offensive side of the ball, and he plays fullback. Um, okay, okay. I'm, I, I, I kind of get where you're coming
1: from. Yeah, and with the cap issue, coming out of college, you might be able to find somebody like that without robbing the bank.
3: You're right, Cynthia. In fact, a guy like that—you, I mean—you don't even have to draft him. There's, you can find him standing at a bus stop. Uh, basically. Plus, you also have Reggie Gilliam on the
2: roster already.
3: Right. And but I'm talking, yeah. And I, I get what you're saying there too. Um, Reggie Gilliam is has his own skill set, and the Bills use him as a fullback. He's listed as a fullback. I'm with you. I'm, I'm into hyperbole, and I want a. Full- Back that looks like a monster I, I want like a 6'6 350 pound guy who can run who they can't stop um, if you got to use a roster spot for somebody like that get somebody who is an enormous problem um, i'm exaggerating to make a point the guy's got to be an athlete and he's got to do all this other stuff but there are guys like that out there uh, teams shy away from it because it's a little bit of a specialized spot it takes a spot away from a wide receiver or a tight end or a you know number one running back. I think there's room for guys like that on a roster, and I would look for him and find somebody like that guy. Ricard is a is a player, and I, I think even now he's underused over there. Um, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry because he can run really fast, um, but you could find somebody as tall as and maybe heavier than Derrick Henry, who can do some things better than Derrick Henry, maybe catch the football, maybe run routes. I don't know. Um, I know I'm know. i sorry,
2: it's Patrick Ricard. Pa- yeah, Alan okay.
3: Ricard was also a fullback in the league. He doesn't play anymore. But the, the point is, yes, you can find specialized athletes. Uh, I remember, back, and I'll give you an example, back in the day, um, the University of Kansas basketball team had a guy, and the Kansas City Chiefs went over, and they wanted to try him out because he was seven feet tall and a really good athlete, and they wanted to use him in the red zone as a tight end. Uh, just put him in the back of the end zone, throw the football above the crossbar, and he'd jump up and catch it. The problem was the guy was seven feet tall. His name was Wilt Chamberlain, and he ended up having a really good career in another sport. <laughs> so, But specialized athletes like the one you're talking about, it you know, fullback is one of those spots where you could maybe find a guy like that. But you'd have to search long, far, long and hard to find a guy like that who's yeah. good enough to be an NFL player and who's versatile enough and an athlete to offer you things on special teams, um, you know, so you could play other spots. But I, I'm with you. And a lot of people have said on our Twitter, Twitter uh, sheet, tweet sheet, and all that about find a big, big power back so Josh doesn't have to be the short yardage back. I'll listen to it if you can find the guy. Yeah, but I almost wonder if it's too specialized to
2: justify a roster it spot. It is, and you're that's the problem. About two or three times a game, Reggie Gilliam offers you far more than that, and he can play on special teams. So right. Gilliam's your guy for the foreseeable future. He just signed a contract extension last year.
3: Yeah, and you can say, well, why doesn't Reggie Gilliam get those carries? Get some carries, and one of the Josh is better is, at it. Well, <laughs> yeah, one of the problems is you become predictable when you have a specialized athlete like that. Yep. You tip oh, off. Fullback's
2: one. on the field. Here it comes. Exactly.
3: Uh, fullback's on the field, or everybody's off, and the fullback is on. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. Otherwise, if he can only do a dive play, take the hand off, and go straight up into the line, that's all he's ever going to be able to do. You become predictable, and when you're predictable, you you, you can't win. Yeah. And so, he's also got to be able to pass protect. So if they f- play fake it to him, whatever. Or catch the ball so they can screen pass it to him when he comes up to pass protect and they think okay they're going to throw it this time and he sneaks out for an outlet yeah. he's got to be able to do a lot of things other than just what we're talking about and when you start talking like that then you realize how difficult those guys are to find
2: let's squeeze in bob in south carolina here bob what do you have for us you're on one bills live
1: oh hey guys thanks for taking the call uh, i don't mean to be a broken record, but offensive line for sure. I love the heck out of Deion Dawkins, but he did not have a great year this year. Roger Saffold did not have a great year this year, so I think they've got to find somebody to put some competition in that offensive line. Secondly, I would go safety, mainly because Mike is not getting any younger. Poyer may be gone. Who knows if Benford's gonna be any good there and who knows if is ever coming back. Right. The other thing the other thing I'd like to add is a running back in the free agency like a Tony Pollard, like a Jones from the Packers who can create a second and two. So they take some of that pressure off of Josh. I don't know if they can afford that, yeah. you know, in terms of those players in free agency, but we, we've got to find ways to put ourselves in a, be- a better second down situation consistently where teams are going to, are going to really respect the fact that we've got a strong running back who can gain those yards consistently, and a Pollard. He, he, Dallas people have been crying for years for that guy to to get on the field more. I know he got hurt here at the end of the year, but he'll be he'll be fine by the time training camp comes around. And Jones is a stud in Green Bay. So yeah,
3: yeah I'll say this, Bob. You're right. You might have answered your same question twice. I mean, if if you upgrade the offensive line across the board or whatever, you may fix the second and two before you ever get to a running back in free agency. I think
2: James Cook can be Tony Pollard in a couple of years. I really do. I think he's that talented, and Pollard's going to be too much money on the open market. He's going to be getting yeah. double-digit millions per year, even though he is a running back. He's only 25. He's going to get giant money on the free agent market because he's one of the two best running backs in free agency, and the only guy ahead of him is Saquon Barkley in my estimation. So uh, you're not going to be able to afford him, unfortunately, but running backs aren't hard to find. And the bills are going to need a third back. They can get him an undrafted free undrafted rookie free agent could be your third running back. They just had a guy here last year, Raheem Blackshear, who people were campaigning to make the roster last year. He goes down to Carolina who picks him up on their 53 man roster. And he's productive down there. You can find a guy like that uh, to, to round out your running back core. And as far as safety, your point is well taken. Because you laid it out perfectly. Jordan Poyer is probably not back because he would cost too much money, and he's 32 years old. Micah Hyde in the last year of his contract. DeMar Hamlin's future completely up in the air. And is Christian Benford going to make it at safety or not? We don't know. It's a big if. You probably do have to get another guy in the pipeline. we got to take a break here because when we come back from SpotTrack.com, your salary cap guru, Mike Janitti, joining us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.